in this year's British Open, old Tom Watson, two months shy of his 60th birthday, stalked the fairways and greens, doing battle with men literally half his age. And after four days and 72 holes of golf, he was tied for the lead. He lost in a playoff to Stuart Sink, but he won the hearts of old guys around the world. In fact, I watched that match, and if I had one of those shirts that says, Old Guys Rule, I would have worn it, because I am at a time in life when I am always for the old guy. So it was a wonderful, wonderful experience just watching Tom Watson. Well, today we're going to look at another old guy. But before we look at him, let me give you some background information so you will have some understanding of Caleb. Now, when Israel came to the edge of the Promised Land the first time, Moses sent in twelve spies to spy out the land and to come back giving a report. The report that came back was good news and bad news. The good news with which they all agreed was the land was exactly as God had said. It was a land that was flowing with milk and honey. The bad news came from ten of those spies who said, yes, it is a land flowing with milk and honey, but there are giants over there, and we are like grasshoppers in comparison, therefore we cannot go into the land. There were two other spies. One was Joshua. These two spies said that they could go in and take the land because God had given it to them. Joshua was one of those spies, and you recall, after Moses died, he became the leader of Israel. The other spy who believed that Israel should go into the Promised Land was Caleb. Jonathan McLeod wrote, The majority measured the giants against their own strength. Caleb measured the giants against God's strength. The majority trembled. Caleb triumphed. The majority saw great giants and a little God. Caleb saw a great God and little giants. Unfortunately, the people listened to the ten, and they did not go in. They decided that because there were giants in the land, because it was threatening, because they were like grasshoppers in comparison to the giants, that they could not go into the land that had been promised by God. As a result of that, they were depressed, defeated, and despondent. And so the Bible says, Then all the congregation lifted up their voices and cried, and the people wept that night, and all the sons of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron. All right, now then we come to our text. Now, this is 45 years later. 45 years since they had first come to the edge of the Promised Land and did not go in. And as we look at Caleb, we see that he was a man of faith when he was young and when he was old. Take your Bibles, turn with me to Joshua 14, verse number 6. Then the sons of Judah drew near to Joshua in Gilgal, and Caleb the son of Jephunneh the Kenizzite said to him, You know the word which the Lord spoke to Moses, the man of God, concerning you and me in Kadesh Barnea. 
I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land. And I brought word back to him as it was in my heart. Nevertheless, my brethren who went up with me made the heart of the people melt with fear. But I followed the Lord my God fully. So Moses swore on that day, saying, Surely the land on which your foot has trodden shall be an inheritance to you and to your children forever, because you have followed the Lord my God fully. And now, behold, the Lord has let me live, just as he spoke these forty-five years, from the time that the Lord spoke this word to Moses when Israel walked in the wilderness. And now, behold, I am eighty-five years old today. I am still as strong today as I was in the day Moses sent me. As my strength was then, so my strength is now, for war and for going out and coming in. Now then, give me this hill country about which the Lord spoke on that day. For you heard on that day that Anakim were there with great fortified cities. Perhaps the Lord will be with me, and I shall drive them out as the Lord has spoken." So Joshua blessed him and gave Hebron to Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, for an inheritance. Therefore Hebron became the inheritance of Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, until this day, because he followed the Lord God of Israel fully. As we look at Caleb today, I want you to see that he was a man of faith. And as we look at the character of his faith, there are two qualities I want you to see. First of all, he was uncompromising in his faith. Now look at verse number 7. I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land, and I brought back word to him as it was in my heart. He was unwilling to compromise that. He said, as I went into the land and spied it out and I came back, I told you what was in my heart. He was unwilling to compromise that because he followed the Lord fully. In fact, if you look in verse number 8, the bottom part of it, I followed the Lord my God fully. Verse number 9, you have followed the Lord my God fully. Verse number 14, uh, because he followed the Lord God of Israel fully. The point I want you to see is that he would not compromise the faith that he had in his heart. God had told him the land was given to the Hebrew people. He would not compromise his faith in God. Joshua was the same way. When Joshua stood before the people of Israel at that time, they were thinking about returning to Egyptian bondage. They were thinking about forgetting about God and going into idolatry. And so Joshua spoke to the people in Joshua 24:15. And if it is disagreeable in your sight to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves today whom you will serve. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. When I look at Caleb, I look at Joshua, Joshua, I see two men who were unwilling to compromise their faith. I see that with Job. You, you know the story of Job. He suffered greatly. He lost his children, he lost his crops, he lost his, his cattle, he lost his health, he lost everything. Even his wife turned to him and said, why don't you curse God and die? But Job was unwilling to compromise his faith in God and said, so he said, though he slay me, I will hope in him. Unwilling to compromise his faith. Martin Luther was unwilling to compromise his faith. Martin Luther became convinced that 
that the just shall live by faith, that the way a person is saved is by grace alone. And so he began to publish that. And after a while, he was summoned to the Diet of Worms, where he stood before a tribunal of men who had authority over his life. They asked him two questions. They said, first of all, as they put the works on the table before him, are these your works? To which he replied, yes. And then they asked him the second question, do you recant these works? To which he replied, I cannot and will not recant anything. For to go against conscience is neither safe nor right. God help me, here I stand. Amen. You see, that's the kind of faith that we see in Caleb. A faith that is not, he is not willing to compromise. Ladies and gentlemen, you and I as believers today need that kind of faith. A faith that we will not compromise because there is so much pressure on the church today. There is so much pressure on the Bible believer today that we compromise what the Word of God says. Folks, I don't understand all the Bible. There's much of it I don't understand. But I understand this, it is the Word of God. And because it is the Word of God, then I do not have any right to compromise what God has declared. So when I look at his faith, I see that it was uncompromising. That was one of the qualities of it. Another is that it was unwavering. He did not waver in his faith, even though others did. And so the Bible says in Numbers 13:30, Then Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, We should by all means go up and take possession of it, for we shall overcome it. You see, they said that they are, there are giants in the land. We can't go in. You know what, you know what Caleb said? He said, they're just giant loaves of bread for us. God has just supersized them for us. He says, there's no problem. We can go in and take it. He was unwilling to waver in his commitment to the Lord. Folks, there are some things from which we must not waver. We must not compromise. We must not waver. Concerning our faith, there is a tremendous attack against our faith today. You know that. You know that as well as I. That there are those today who want to diminish the importance of our faith. We cannot waver in our commitment. I read an article recently concerning Senator Jim DeMint. He He noticed that the architects had ignored the phrase, In God We Trust leaving it off the $621 million Capital Visitors Center, and they had also left it off the museum's replica of the House Chamber. He put a hold on the bill, not allowing the center to open, and he said there seems to be a trend of whitewashing God out of our history. God bless him. God bless him. We cannot waver in our commitment, in our faith. This country was established on faith. There are those who are trying to turn us away from faith today. We cannot waver. You must not waver in our commitment to the Word of God. We cannot waver when it comes to our family. And there are those today who are trying to destroy the family. You know that also. The family is being... How long has it been since you've seen a television program or a movie in which two people met, fell in love, and they got married. Today they meet and they just live together. There is the attempt today to destroy the family, and we must not waver in our commitment to the family. 
We must not waver in our commitment to freedom. Benjamin Franklin wrote, They who give up liberty to obtain a little temporary safety deserve neither liberty or safety. God has blessed us with freedom. I'm so grateful for the freedom that God has given to us. But we're seeing it eroded today. We're seeing our freedoms taken away from us. And the siren song that is being used to take away our freedom is that the government is going to take care of you. And if the government takes care of you, then, ladies and gentlemen, you do not have freedom. Because you have to forfeit freedom for the government to be in control. We cannot waver in our commitment to freedom. We cannot waver in our commitment to the future. I, I look at Caleb and I see that God had given him a future. And God has given you a future. See, that's the good thing about being a child of God. We have a future there, though there are the naysayers who say there's no future for the Christian. Christians are diminishing today. They don't have the power that they once did. They don't have the influence that they once did. But folks, we cannot give the future away because God has given us a future. When I look at Caleb, I see a man of faith, and his faith was uncompromising. He simply would not compromise his faith, and he didn't waver in his commitment to the Lord. But as I also look, I notice that there is a commitment to the faith. And there has to be that level of commitment. Now, you can say, I have faith, but you must be committed. Because there's going to be challenges to your faith. And I look at Caleb, he was a man who was willing to suffer for his faith. There, there, were, there, were, there were the friends or the peers or his contemporaries that uh, stood against him. And the Bible says all the congregation said to stone them with stones. See, there's challenges to faith. If you walk with God, if your faith is in God, there are always going to be challenges. Sometimes it's your peers. For Caleb, possibly there was prejudice. If you look in verse number 6, then the sons of Judah drew near to Joshua and Gilgal, and Caleb the son of Jephunneh the Kenizzite said to him, You know the word which the Lord spoke to Moses the son of the, the, the man of God concerning you and me in Kadesh Barnea? I was 40 years old when Moses the servant of the Lord sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land. I brought back word to him as it was in my heart. If he were 40 years old, that means then that he was born in Egypt. He was a Kenizzite. He was not a Jew. He was a Gentile. And so there is a likelihood that he was looked down on because of his race. That was one of the obstacles that he had to face, probably. Another was his age. You'll see there in verse number 10. Now, behold, the Lord has let me live just as he spoke these 45 years from the time the Lord spoke this word to Moses when Israel walked in the wilderness. Now, behold, I'm 85 years old today. That's what I like about that guy. I mean, he's 85 years old and he's still passionate about God. He's still passionate about the future. He's still passionate about his ministry. Folks, that's what, we, that's what I love about some of the people in this church. They might be in their 80s, they might be in their 90s, but they still are passionate and enthusiastic about their commitment to the Lord. And that is what we loved about Tom Watson. Tom Watson said, I still feel as if I can compete against the kids, and he did. Two months shy of his 60th birthday, and for four days he played golf, and for 72 holes he played golf, and he ended up in a tie, and then ran out of gas. Bless his heart. 
We have to be willing to suffer. Jesus was willing to suffer for his faith. One of the And I don't think troubling is the word. It was not the word. One of the most powerful passages of Scripture is the story about Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. He's facing the cross, and there he is. He's praying his heart out to the Father. Father, if there's some other way for man to be saved, then let this cup pass from me. But then he said, but for this cause came I to this hour. He was willing to suffer that you and I might be saved. The Apostle Paul was willing to suffer. He says, I was beaten times without number. Five times I received from the Jews 39 lashes. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Folks, let me ask you, are you willing to suffer for your faith? Now, don't answer that, but consider it. Are you willing to suffer for your faith? Because if it's genuine, the Bible says you will. You see, the Apostle Paul wrote to Timothy in uh, chapter 3, verse number 12, And indeed, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. We have to be committed to our faith. It's not just something we say, well, I believe in God. No, it's more than that. It's more than that. We must be willing to suffer for the faith that we claim to be ours, just as Caleb did. And then we must be willing to defend it. Today there is a major move to snuff out the faith and the Word of God. I look at the ten spies. They came back and gave a bad report about God's promise. But Caleb defended it. He said, only do not rebel against the Lord. Do not fear the people of the land, for they shall be our prey. Their protection has been removed from them, and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. You see, the people were fearful. And Caleb defended the promise of God. He says, no, God has given us this land. This is ours. God has given it to us. So he defended his faith. And then we have to be willing to persevere, folks, because there are going to be challenges to our faith. There are going to be giants that we have to deal with, the giant of opposition. Caleb stood against the giant of opposition. Those who refused to enter in to the promised land and they wanted to stone him, but he stood there. He didn't give up. He was willing to persevere. Joseph persevered in the dream that God had placed in his heart. And when, when Joseph had the dream and he shared it with his brothers, his brothers were incensed. And because they were, then they sold him into slavery. And then later Potiphar had him thrown in jail, but he never lost his dream. Never lost his dream. He was willing to persevere against opposition. There will be those folks who will oppose the dream that God has placed in your heart. What's God placed in your heart? Now, I'm talking about a God dream. What has God placed in your heart? Because I can assure you there will be those who oppose it. There's the giant of opposition. There's the giant of failure that we also have to deal with. Now, when Caleb came the first time, to the edge of the promised land. He was ready to go into the land. He says that God has given us the land. We can go in. But the people refused to do so. But he didn't give up. He was ready 45 years later. He remained ready to go into the land. Don't let yesterday's failures stop you today. 
Every one of us can look in our life and we can see yesterday we failed here, yesterday we failed there. Folks, don't let the failures of yesterday destroy your dream today. If God has placed a dream in your heart, don't let yesterday's failures destroy it. For some, the giant that they face is the giant of laziness, just flat out lazy. The Bible says in Proverbs 26:13, the sluggard, the lazy person, the sluggard says there is a lion in the road, a lion is in the open square. Now, that was the reason he couldn't go out and do anything. He said, man, there's a lion out there. Isn't it amazing the things that will keep you from getting up and doing what God has told you to do? There's a lion in the street. There's a lion outside. Folks, for some of us, the giant that has to be overcome is simply the giant of laziness. We have to be committed to our faith. And then there's the continuation of our faith. I look at Caleb. I love this guy. He's 85 years old, and he's still looking forward. How do you do that? Don't you want to do that? Is that you, Steve? See, Caleb didn't have to deal with these phones. Eighty-five years old and still... How can you do that? Don't you want to do that? This means... Come on, help me out here. Don't you want to do that? I do. Man, I, I really do. But how can you do it? Well, first of all, you have to have the right goal. A goal that is bigger than you, that is greater than your abilities that is transcendent, that is timeless, that is transgenerational. We have to get past just looking at today. A goal is bigger than you. I read back during World War II, and Winston Churchill was appealing to the United States to become involved in the war. And he said, I will say to President Roosevelt, we shall not fail or falter. We shall not weaken or tire. Neither the sudden shock of battle nor the long-drawn trials of vigilance and exertion will wear us down. Give us the tools and we will finish the job. You see, that's the kind of goal that I'm talking about. Uh, if, if you just give me the tools, just give me the opportunity and I'll finish the job. That was Caleb. Look there at verse number 12. Now then, give me this hill country by which the Lord spoke on that day. For you heard on that day that Anakim were there with great fortified cities. Perhaps the Lord will be with me and I shall drive them out as the Lord has spoken. Folks, he never gave up on his goal. What's your goal? What's your goal for life? Do you just meander through every day is a new day? Do you have a goal for life? If God's put a goal in your heart, don't you ever give it up. Don't, he, he never, Caleb never gave up on his goal. Secondly, the thing that's important is that the goal that comes from God comes with a guarantee. Now look there at verse number 9. Moses swore on that day, saying, Surely the land on which your foot is trodden shall be an inheritance to you and to your children forever, because you have followed the Lord my God fully. See, that was the reason for his commitment, because he had a guarantee. Forty-five years earlier, he was given a goal and a guarantee. God's promises come with guarantees. The Bible says in Psalm 37, 5, Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in Him, and He will do it. 
He will do it. Listen, ladies and gentlemen, the promises of God come with a guarantee. And see, that's the reason I believe in the security of the believer. I'm not worried about losing my salvation. You say, well, I don't think you're that good. I'm not. But God is. And God's the one who had promised my salvation. As a matter of fact, the Bible says that when I was saved, He gave me the earnest of the Holy Spirit. He made a down payment. When you make a down payment, it means that you're going to claim that. I'm making a down payment. I'm going to come back and get the rest of it. So the Bible says when I was saved that He gave me the down payment, the earnest of the Holy Spirit. And so one day He's going to take me to heaven. This kind of faith has a future, and this is important. Caleb had a future because of his faith. And so the Bible says in Numbers 14, 24, But my servant Caleb, because he has had a different spirit and has followed me fully, I will bring into the land which he entered, and his descendants shall take possession of it. He had a future with God. Moses had a future with God. When God called Moses, he said, I stutter, I can't go and speak. But God gave old stuttering Moses a future. Gideon was fearful, but God gave fearful Gideon a future, and he gives us one. But the requirements, the requirements are obedience. He followed the Lord fully. Faithfulness, he never wavered. He did not compromise his faith and commitment. He never tired in his commitment to God. For 85 years old, and he says, it was promised to me 45 years ago. I still believe it. I can still go in and claim it. You know, Caleb teaches me that God's dreams have no expiration date. If God places a dream in your heart, friend, there is no expiration date on it. Dr. Jonathan Goforth, missionary to China, wrote to his children on his 75th birthday. You must not wonder at me, even at 75, eager to remain here in the high places of the field, for the opportunities of service were never greater, and the outlook for a great harvest never brighter than now. Seventy-five years old. We love Tom Watson because at 60 years old, he's still competing, saying, I can play, I believe, with the young guys. You and I are to stay in the fight until the Lord takes us home. No matter who you are, no matter what your age. My prayer for you is that you will have an uncompromising, unwavering faith in God. That you will have a goal, a dream that comes from God, and that you will not allow anyone or anything to take that away. But that you will be committed to serving Jesus until He takes you home. Our Father, we come to a time of invitation, a time of consideration. And I pray, Lord, that we'll look at our lives and hopefully that our passion, our enthusiasm will be rekindled. And for some who have thought, well, I'm, I'm too old or life has passed me by, that they will understand that the dream you placed in their heart is still to be fulfilled because godly dreams come with godly guarantees. I pray your blessings upon this invitation in Jesus' name. Amen. In just a moment, we're going to stand, extend an invitation. The choir's going to sing. Staff will be down here. If you're here without Jesus, it's our prayer that you'll come to receive Him as Savior. Commit your life to Him. If you're looking for a church home, our doors are open to you. 
But I also trust and I also pray that some of you who have grown a little lukewarm in your commitment to Christ will rekindle that. You'll be more passionate, more in love with Him, more vocal about your faith to make a difference in this world. Let's stand together as we stand. The choir sings, you come, I'll greet you.